0: Welcome to episode number one of What I Wish I Known, Google Partners bi-weekly podcast on how to be strategically tactical, hosted by me, Alex Lankshire. What I Wish I'd Known is where I get to ask an agency veteran to share their top five lessons learned on a specific aspect of growing an agency, a digital marketing, or Google products. I like to call it strategically tactical. While you might think that's an oxymoron, and, and you'd probably be right. My goal is to get our guests to think hard about the five most important practical things that they did that produced significant change in value for their organization. Their insight is your chance to save years of trial and error by learning from those who are at the top of their game. This episode, will be discussing how to turn leads and prospects into sales, and this is one of my all-time favorite subjects, and I think it's perfect to begin our podcast series with. Whenever I speak or train on this subject, I get tons of questions from participants, all with the same type of focus. How can I get better at this process? It's a fundamental subject because sales are the oxygen of the business. If you can do well in sales, then everything will flow from that. Today, I'm incredibly pleased to welcome as my inaugural guest at the Google Podcast, Monsieur Guillaume Bouchard, the CEO of iProspect Canada. Way back in 2004, Guillaume co-founded one of the first search agencies in Canada, NVI, which he and his partners grew into a leading agency. It was then acquired by the Dentsu Aegis Network in 2013, which if you think about it, is one of the perfect arcs of any entrepreneur. I've known Guillaume for a long time, and I'm sure you'll see that his passion for this subject, as with all aspects of managing and growing a business, is going to come shining through. It's my great pleasure to welcome you to the podcast. Bienvenue, Guillaume.
1: Well, very appreciative of uh, the the invitation. And uh, I would start by saying that the first time I've ever heard of dense sewages network was at a Google partner summit. My first, uh, my first one actually. And there was a guy, a Google guy that was saying that someday you guys will potentially be selling your business to one of these big entities like WPP and dense sewages network. And three, four years later, that happens. So uh, actually, Google was the first uh, company to, to uh, put the light on uh, Dead Swages Network. So pretty, pretty funny.
0: That's great. I, I love it how, uh, you know, it's almost karmic in the circle of life, isn't it? Yeah. Um, well, look, it's great. Uh, great to have you on the, on the podcast, Guillaume. Um, I'm going to start off with a simple little question for you that's deceptively simple. It's uh, in 140 characters or less on the air. Can you tell me something unusual about yourself?
1: I would say that uh, I, I play uh, video games uh, way too much. And when I was uh, younger, when I was 18, I did the uh, World Cyber Games, the first World Cyber Games in 2000. So now I'm uh, wasting money on the Clash of Clans and Clash Royale, but uh, used to play StarCraft as a, as a pro gamer. And uh, I retired with honors at uh, 20 years old.
0: <laughs> retired with honors. I love that. Great, so you know the theme of the podcast, Guillaume, so let's get down to it. So what would you tell your younger self? What are the top five things, the hard-learned lessons that if you were 12, 13, 14 years ago in the midst of time, if somebody just come to you and tell you, do this, don't do that, what would they be? What would be the top five things about turning prospects and leads into sales?
1: So first one would be to have a very well laid out sandbox into which clients you want to target. Uh, the second thing would be to really understand uh, why you need to be really dedicated with sales, and we'll, we'll expand on that later. Uh, the third one is uh, the whole qualification process. You have no imagination how many hours I've wasted uh, when I was at the early stages of the business. Um, then strategy for growth. I think they're really critical, so we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. And the last piece is talking about the fact that recurring business is really your oxygen for growth which is supports the, the fourth point but uh, i'll be very happy to uh, to close on that one
0: excellent um love it love it love it i uh, five meaty subjects let's begin on number one you talked about your uh, your approach to marketing uh, maybe you can expand on that
1: yeah so the big problem we had, and it's gonna make a couple of people smile, is that we had really no plan from marketing. We were shooting everywhere, really a shotgun technique. And really early in our in our business, we started ranking really high in SEO, and we started attracting a lot of people in our business. But the problem that we ended up facing is we were taking everything: tier one, tier two, tier three, doing this, doing that, and, and the focus we had was. Uh, was none pretty much it was whatever was going to hit us and it worked for a couple years because we were just scrambling trying to figure out what we really wanted to do but very quickly as we try to grow we ended up understanding and that's a change that happened like two years ago where we said hey who do we really want to sell our services to and let's just go talk to these people and find the best way to do that. So now instead of shooting for the 100,000 companies that exist in Canada, we're aiming and we've defined 1,000 of them which are sandbox. We place them in specific verticals. Some are prime verticals, some secondary, some tertiary. And we also went into subcategories. And the whole marketing plan is built around very niche approach. So we'll say, hey, this quarter, we're doing the furniture store. We'll find the 15 biggest players in Canada. We'll build a specific white paper for these guys. And we'll make sure that we get a hold of the VP or the director of digital and make sure that the person sees our, our piece of paper and then try to get a meeting to see how we can improve his situations so it's very different than waiting and hoping that these 15 furniture stores would fill a contact form on our website
0: you know that's so interesting you should talk about that because uh you know that mirrors a lot of the growth that we had too and my experience was we were trying anything i mean you try anything because again that's the kind of the the how we make it up as we go along the aspect of entrepreneurship but it quickly becomes exhausting and you have to dial it down and and it's interesting that you talk about your sandbox because you know I remember pulling a book out of the library early in uh in, in my entrepreneurial career and this guy talked about uh qualification he talked about really doing your homework to identify who it is that you want to talk to as opposed to just trying to go after catch us catch can and it sounds like that's uh the you know that that is something that i prospect has really dialed down on did you did that start at nvi or was that something that you took on when you had more resources at at i prospect
1: well i would say that uh Two things first the big misfocus we had is that we ended up doing a lot of work that was a bit irrelevant and we had some type of industries like tech technology and let's say media which we were really successful and some others uh, let's say institutional for example where we had a lot of problems but we were still pitching everything spending all of our energy on it i would say that when we went into enrolled into the wages network in 13 uh, essentially that we had more resource but we had larger clients to work with and that Trickled, let's say, the vision of hey, we are a tier one type of agency. We need to focus on the big guys and we need to really have a very specific conversation with these people. So I'd say it happened around a year later after the the, the acquisition, but I would have had a better business to sell uh, if I had known that the first day.
0: Yeah, I think that's really uh, insightful. So it still applies, you know, really, it's scale invariant, this approach. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. Okay. so let's talk about the second one that you mentioned, which is this idea of uh, you can't hire the sales functional way. That is something that you had to take on yourself. Maybe you can uh, share a little bit more about that.
1: Yeah. So one thing I want to put out there is that it's really weird that in our industry and in most of our industry, there is no dedicated salespeople. We always end up uh, having some people that do that and do something else. So there's two lessons I think I would have loved to have the on day one is one whoever's doing sales should be dedicated to it shouldn't have to do production and should, and the second point is that person should most likely be groomed from the inside and most likely be the best salesperson you have in the organization. So sometimes a sales guy will make more money than even the, the CEO. So in the case of iProspect or NVI, uh, I was the, the the best positioned person to do the job but very quickly I, I realized that as a national business I couldn't do it alone. So what I done what I've done is I took the the, the other partner, who was managing the entire production operation and made sure to hire someone else uh so that he could come with me and start to do sales because he knew the business more than anyone else and he was the best person to sell it so are, the two of us are the guys that built pretty much uh the entire business portfolio up to the uh to the acquisition so i think external hiring for sales is super risky you still have to do it every now and then, but make sure these people are dedicated, make sure they're not the ones that are working on the RFPs and then delivering the product the day after, because you won't stand a chance against the, the big guys. And, and honestly, I, I've not seen in the big six, uh, anyone that is really dedicated to BizDev that doesn't have something else to do. And I think it's a big uh, it's a big miss as an industry that we don't take time to value the strategy and the sales value that we can bring with dedicated people.
0: You know, it, it's so interesting. I uh, I can't agree with you more that uh, that it's 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 kind of a little bit odd that it's actually probably easier to hire somebody to manage the business than it is to do the sales. And that is something that. Uh, is really difficult to delegate away. And in fact, given its centrality to growing your business, it would be the thing which I'd say you need to own. I'd further say that if you take a look, you know, I've talked to a lot of entrepreneurs in this industry. And one of the things that comes back is is this idea of the co-founders, right? There's a co-founder or there's an early founder who then brought somebody on fairly early on after founding the business. Um, And and I think that really reflects this uh, aspect that, you know, it, particularly at the early stages as you're getting going and then as you keep growing, having two people where one of them is able to focus on managing the business and taking the business aspects while the other person is really dedicated on sales is, um, is a winning formula.
1: Yeah, it's a two things. People wear too many hats in an SMB, especially at the the partner level. So that's problem number one. And problem number two, or let's say situation number two that was quite interesting, is in the case of NVI, we needed two salespeople. So what did we do? We diluted a piece of our shares and we hired a third partner who really was awesome at uh, at production. And now he's the president. I'm the CEO and he's the, the president, that third partner. So that's a big thing. Like we, even to solidify our operations, we brought in another guy, but it was to free up another partner so he would be dedicated to sales. So never underestimate uh, pumping oxygen in your business. Think sales, whatever you sold, if it's fairly well sold, you'll figure a way to produce it. The other way yeah. around is uh, pretty difficult.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. agree.
1: Okay, so tell me about your
0: uh, your qualification because, you know, I could talk about this for for hours, but uh, what do you mean by qualification process and, and maybe explain?
1: Yeah, so as I said, when you, you are in an SMB, you often get, you have so much opportunities in front of you that you might not focus on the right one. So qualification process is the fact that you do not know what you're getting into before you spend too much time on it. So very simple example, you have five leads this week. What are you gonna do? Are you gonna, let's say, spend two hours on each one of them, do one meeting, things like that, or you'll pre qualify the, the five of them for over half an hour and then try to spend six, seven, eight hours on the one that you felt was the most important. So that's the, one, the first learning is just making sure that you ask the tough questions right from the start. And one good tip I can share on that qualification process is for me, one of the key things that I was doing and I still do is when I get in a meeting and I start to understand what the client wants, I will anchor an amount right away and look at the reaction that I get. So I'll say, hey, what you're talking to me about right now seems like a $100,000 project. What? How does that sound? And just see the first reaction. Or I'll try to say, well, I can do projects at 50 to 250 It depends on how fast you wanna get to the result and try to see where they lean towards. Are they more of a, no, I wanna have a bit of a trial. So I think the big mistakes we make is we can spend several hours, do one, two, three meetings, and then there's a big budget surprise thing at the end of the pitch. We, as a small business, you need to avoid that like the plague, because when you focus on these wasted opportunities, you're not really developing the business. You're just purely wasting time of of the client, potential client and yourself. So you know, I, I again, I
0: strongly align with you on this one, and I call it being respectful of each other's time. You know, to your last point, where surfacing the issue of budget as a qualification of whether there's alignment between you and them, it's just being respectful, right? And it's it is is it's, some people view it as being a difficult conversation, so they avoid it. Um, but I think that it's something that really should be surfaced relatively quickly. So I have my own opinion on that. But Guillaume, for you, you know, when when would you, in in the course of a normal kind of conversation where you've got you've done your pre you've got, set the meeting, you're at the first meeting, and you're talking about services, but when would you when would you surface this issue of budget?
1: Well, I would not if I let's say coming for the first big meeting after the qualification call, I would try to address it quite early in the conversation, because the longer you wait, uh, the harder it is to make a sale. And, And doing a sale to me is not coming in and saying, hey, how much budget do you have? And here's the answer. It is trying to anchor a piece of money of what you think they need to make it work. And if they don't have the money, maybe try as a baby step approach. But I think and there's a big big books on anchoring and i think that's the key point for me is to try to get the reaction don't wait for it provoke it and then you have maybe if you did it in the first 15 minutes of a two-hour meeting you have an hour 45 to surf. And if you ended up finding after 15 minutes that it was just a waste of time, then you can shorten the meeting and start and go do something else. So yeah, I'd say as early as you can in the first uh, the first meeting to me is, is important. And that's what differentiate, I think, a, a real salesperson versus someone that's simply taking orders.
0: Great. Um, we're getting to the end of our podcast, uh, Guillaume. So I want to circle around to the next two before. Uh, um, so tell me about growth. What, what do you mean by growth?
1: Yeah. So I think one key issue we face in the digital marketing industry in general is that we always talk about our product instead of talking about the business problem and tying our products to the business problem. So the whole idea is changing the, the tactical type of conversation to talk about business strategic issue. So one key thing we've done at iProspect Canada, that is I'd say different from the other big six again, is we've separated completely strategy and client servicing from production. So long story short, what does that mean? Is that we have out of a hundred people in Canada, uh, maybe 75, 80 are doing production, but 10 of them are not delivering. If you want anything to decline, the they're servicing. They're doing calls. They're auditing some deliverables. They're making sure everything is attached to the business needs. But they are not part of the production units that we have. So we have like we have client servicing and project management on one end, and we have production on one on one other end where there's four big departments that are producing all the work. And we went a notch further down where we took these four uh, departments and we made sure to have some product leads and some team leads as part of that. Because we quickly realized that getting the best technical guy into a, a manager position is not necessarily the best thing for your business. You need to put your best technical guy into the product positions so they become real seniors and, and ambassadors. And same thing on the other side, uh, whoever is managing the team, they will take care of all the career plans and and all of that.
0: You know, I, I, again, aligned with you on that. What we've often found is that consultants are really, really good at doing the work and delivery, not so, you know, not so interested in having the kind of discussions about the business and not necessarily comfortable with it. So the the ability to place somebody who is comfortable with that conversation is, is actually a good thing. My question to you as a, a follow-up is it, did you do that NVI and and how early into the evolution of, of the company did you kind of realize that this is the model for growth?
1: I would say halfway before a little bit before we got acquired. I'd say when yep. you want to hit the first your first tier one, your first marquee clients, you will yep. have to think that way. Or you'll you can still keep serving the the mom and pop shop, but if you want to grow, I think that's the big step you need to take. All right.
0: So our last one, we have about a minute left here, Guillaume. Tell me about recurring business.
1: Yeah, so the big, biggest change, or probably the best tip is everything you sell can be sell, sold on a recurring model. You want to build a website for t- 30 grand, charge 2,500 a month for a year, and then try to con- con- reconvey that money for the following year to improve the website. You want to do something, an analytics project, find a way to, to to put it as a more of a recurring. So I always crack the joke of your, your telcos, for example, you will pay your mobile bill every single month you want to ask questions. You need to be at that position uh, at the VP or like the director of digital level where you're just part of the monthly bills. Uh, and I moved from building, let's say five, $10,000 projects to charging three, four, $500 a month and that, pretty much completely transformed my business and I, I was able to triple my revenue the following year after applying that recipe. Even if the monthly fees were smaller than the project ones, it grew up. And the, the one thing I would conclude on is what is better to wake up the first of the month and have 100% of your business to sell or wake up the first of the month and having 85% of your business that's already sold and only having to top it off with the last 15% to, to hit your budget. That's a whole different story. Uh, i'd be I'd, I'd rather be the second guy
0: well what a fantastic insight guillaume uh take a project chop it into 12 and then turn it into a recurring kind of thing and then also i think that extends the relationship that extends the timeline of that relationship uh and also enables you to to think of ways that you can bring additional value to the table over time that's uh, a brilliant idea pleasure uh yeah great well um so there we have it you're uh top five strategically practical insights that Guillaume would have told his younger self. And to recap, they were to have a, a, a good idea of who you want to target and really spend time on developing that target prospect list and then qualifying it appropriately. Um, that you're probably going to have to do sales yourself. It's easier for you to hire somebody to manage your business than it is for you to hire somebody to do sales, and so focus on that, even if that might mean that you need to bring on people through a bit of an equity share. Uh, the qualification process of a client, um, to make sure that early in the conversation when you're going uh, from a, a, a lead towards a sale, is to understand whether or not you're aligned on costs, the growth idea of having a team and making sure that the consultants are doing what's in their zone of genius, and somebody to manage the uh, the relationship a little bit more closely, and then finally this aspect of a recurring aspect to uh, your revenue, uh, breaking projects into smaller chunks that can be done on a monthly basis, and then building up from there. Did I get that right?
1: One hundred percent.
0: Follow me, dab. Well, listen. Um, I want to say huge thanks to you, Guillaume, our inaugural podcast. I uh, really appreciate you coming on and being so generous and authentic with your top five. Uh, taught me a lot, and I'm sure the listeners as well, and I, and I speak on behalf of them when I say we appreciate it. Thank you to the listeners. Uh, we really value your time and appreciate you choosing to spend some of your day listening to this podcast. I want to end by telling you that next uh, podcast we will be having Andrew Swinnand, who is the CEO of The Abundancy will be sharing his top five lessons learned on client management. As we say, the good, the bad, and the ugly aspects of client management. It's going to be great. And if you haven't, I recommend that you subscribe to the podcast where you get insights and practical advice, some real life stories, and the chance to hear what our guests had wished they'd known had they had this podcast to listen to about 10 years ago. Thank you very much.